0: Welcome to the Taking It Outside podcast from Spring Hill Outfitters, the show that connects you with the outdoors, with experts on guns, archery, cooking, outdoor gear, and more. Here's your host, Trent Lassiter. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Taking It Outside with Spring Hill Outfitters. We are excited to have you join us today. As always, you can find this podcast on all major podcast platforms, such as Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, and more. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the podcast, rate, review, only good ratings and good reviews. If you have a bad review, don't leave it. Keep it to yourself. We only accept good reviews on Taking It Outside. Also, you can find us on YouTube and uh find us our youtube channel is taking it outside subscribe like review rate all that kind of good stuff on taking it outside on youtube and uh we were excited to have another awesome episode planned for you guys today and i want to introduce our special guest captain tom who resides in the great town of beaufort north carolina Tom, what's going on hey trent how you doing today good glad you could join us today uh episode before we get a little bit more in depth about tom and his background is uh we're going to kind of recap big rock so we were fortunate enough to fish the big rock blue marlin tournament last week the 63rd annual tournament and we'll get more in detail about that in just a second but before we do i'll let tom talk a little bit more about himself i met tom four or five years ago when we got our boat down at the coast and uh him and mark as well helped us out a lot in the early days and became friends and fished ever since so tom tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of where you came from
1: yeah, I've been uh, fishing from Apex, lived down in Beaufort, been fishing down uh, out of Beaufort Inlet for probably 25 years, started off small boats, had a had like a 30-foot grady, moved up probably four or five years ago to a 50-foot Viking, did that. I was a real pirate. That's where everybody down in Beaufort knows me as, as a real pirate. <laughs> that was my boat. Um, fished a bunch of tournaments, had been fishing uh, probably the last 12 years. I had a lot of clients in my old business that had uh, big sport fishers. So I'd go up to Ocean City, Maryland, which is, they have the White Marlin Open, the um, Mid-Atlantic, Hulk Big Classic, and the Tuna Classic, which are all huge tournaments. Uh, White Marlin and Mid-Atlantic are actually bigger than the Big Rock, money-wise and boat-wise. So I was doing that for many, many years and then uh, started doing the Big Rock, last probably five or six years.
0: Yeah, and Big Rock's a big deal, and it's uh, a lot of money paid out, which we'll talk more about in just a second. But like you said, the White Marlin Open's a bigger tournament as far as uh, total payout and boats. Um, big Rock in our area is obviously a big deal, which is why we're here today to talk about Big Rock. We'll hit more on the White Marlin Open here in just a second. But uh, like I said, we were fortunate enough to fish on string line this past week for the 63rd annual big rock tournament and this was a huge tournament i know um you know biggest one they've ever had as far as boats i think they had 270 boats that fished with a total of 4.7 million dollars in payout that's a lot of money some people who took that money home widespread was fortunate enough on friday it was friday night to catch a uh six right at 650 pound blue marlin which took first place and they got right at 1.6 million dollars the fabulous fisherman they called. Uh, that was the boat of Natural. I think caught that fish on Tuesday, which was just over five hundred pounds, and they took home eight hundred and thirty-three thousand dollars. And then FinPrint caught the biggest dolphin, which was like five hundred and twenty-nine some odd thousand. So, ooh, that's, that was some good money, a lot of money. You know, it's more. It's fun. You know, it's, it's a long week, and hey, we'll talk more about that too in just a second. But if you can catch that one fish, you're fishing all week for one fish. If you catch that one fish, and can you take home a paycheck of one point six? million dollars it's uh it pays for the gas money you got to put your money on the line now you got to risk it for the biscuit yeah if you sit at home I promise you will not win the big rock you got to be in it to win it and we were in it and we didn't win it but we tried hard and that's what counts so uh before we get into our experience we were talking a while ago and and Tom uh you found out some information kind of after I guess the tournament some things some new technology I guess that's out there the boats that caught a lot of the fish had a new sonar. and You can talk more about that if you want.
1: Yeah, Furuno. I don't know if Garmin has it, but I know Furuno has it. And some, I'm pretty sure Garmin probably has it as well. Um, I think 60 of those boats, and they had it's a uh, it's a side 360 sonar. So what happens is it's like in a plane when you're using radar in a plane, it does a 360 um, 360 you know radar beep, so you can see all the planes any any traffic uh, around you sideways. When you use conventional sonar sonar that, that everybody's had for many, many years, all that does is shoot straight under your boat. So you actually got to drive over the fish to see if what's down below you, which is very difficult. You're kind of guessing. With the side, side sonar, it's a game changer because now these boats can sit there and drive around two hours before line's in, and they can try, actually uh, track down marlin or sharks or tuna, whatever they're going after. They can actually track that fish and wait till lines in the water at 9 o'clock in the morning. And now the advantage that they have from that is instead of guessing where the fish are at, they know where the fish are at. So when they put the lines in, they know that those fish, they're on top of them. We didn't have
0: that. You yeah, know? A lot of the average boat, uh, you know, most boats still have the conventional, more uh, traditional type of sauna. You know, everything changes. Hunting and fishing, the industry changes, new technology every year. And uh, this is kind of a new piece that a lot of these boats had that our particular boat didn't, which, uh, you know, like you said, we had to kind of pretty much be over the fish for our sauna order to pick it up. These other boats can look left, right, forward, backward, kind of look all around. They see the fish, they go to the fish. So uh, at the end of the day, it is all luck like a turkey shoot or anything else it's all luck but there are ways to increase your luck and uh, it's pretty cool technology that's out there and i'm sure more boats will have it in the future and some more stuff will come out to make it even easier to uh find the fish it's a big ocean some of the uh
1: i i think the white marlin open outlawed that last year because i remember when i fished those tournaments last year they wouldn't let you use that Hmm. there's some boats that had it but i don't know i don't know big rocks gonna i'm willing to bet you there's, there's been a lot of people complaining about that how can they regulate that
0: i mean i guess they can go on the boat and see if you have it or no,
1: not what or... they would do here's everybody says well how could they do that yeah. if you had it on your boat you get polygraphed anybody that makes yeah. money um gets polygraphed so once they say it and they ask you did you use your sonar <laughs> yeah you it's go gonna see, tick yeah. yeah man unless you're unless you're an fbi agent or cia agent you're yeah. That polygraph's
0: going to go off. Somebody asked me that this week. They said, well, how can you – I mean, you can lie. They listen to the radio. Lot, everybody tunes in. Like over a quarter million people tuned in to Big Rock Radio all over the world. And somebody asked me, how said, well, how, you know, why can't you lie? And why can't you say you hooked up or you had a fish and then you lie about it? I said, well, you know, cause if, you, if you do catch a fish and weigh a fish, the polygraph, uh, captain, mate, angler, anybody on the boat potentially can do the polygraph. Give me, a, give me an example. Yeah.
1: When we set up the boat uh, the week before all these tournaments – you have to have – you can't have more than 30, uh, 30 yards a leader, 30 feet a leader. Right. And you have to make sure all that stuff's done. So before the tournament, that's what we're doing. All of our leaders, we're, we're measuring all that yeah. stuff. Here's an example. They, we catch the winning fish, and we weren't sure. You know, as mates and as captains, we weren't sure that we measured. And they ask you on a polygraph, how long were your leaders – were they legal? <laughs> and then if you're thinking about it and you're not sure that you measured all of them, yeah. guess what's gonna happen? You got polygraph's gonna go off. And that's how people get that's how people get disqualified in these tournaments.
0: Yeah, you're talking about four point seven million dollars. I mean yeah, they're gonna make sure they're covered their basis, you know, I don't care if it's how long the leader is or what time you caught the fish, or what time you put lines in, or and also another way they check, kind of verifies, is uh we probably had I don't know, five or six GoPros going on the boat last week. And, you know, you have to verify, have timestamp video evidence of uh, when the fish was on, if the mate touches the leader, when's the fish released, boated, yada, yada. So I'll document it on a GoPro so they can kind of verify to make sure. If you lie and uh, want to tell a story, you may not turn out too good at Big Rock. So uh, they verify everything pretty good. So a lot of excitement last week. We stayed down there pretty much. Well, Tom lives down there, but I was there pretty much all week last week. And I uh, wish I never stay our places over in Salter Path and uh, spent the week down there and fished. We fished four days. So you, the tournament six days, you fish four of the six. Our boat fished Monday and then laid Tuesday and fished Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And uh, we were talking a little bit ago, you know, as I've gotten home the last few days, people ask how it went. And the average person, when you say, you know, I fished big rock all week and I'm extremely tired or wore out. You know, like, OK, you went fishing all week. Why, you know, don't don't be lazy and trifling. You, you got to be on the boat. And uh, don't don't sing that sad song to me. But actually, and Tom can back me up on this. It's a long it's a long day. Uh, you know these guys fish uh, four days out of six, and uh, the average morning we got up and what we left at four, four o'clock four o'clock three, thirty. Yeah. So, so as mate
1: as a mate and a captain, you know we're there at three three thirty in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long day. And
0: then when you get in, you we didn't get in I think till six o'clock every yeah, night six or seven. Yeah. So yeah, those guys are getting on the boat before we get on the boat. And we get on the boat uh three thirty, uh three forty five, the boat that we were fishing on stayed in Beaufort over at Town Creek Marina. So I'd get up and drive and uh leave the dock around four, four thirty. Most days we traveled but let's see, the first day we fished up north. Off the of Hatteras pretty The much. first day off of Hatter. We had a lot of boats around us the first day. That- uh that
1: was a running joke, by the way, yeah. was that uh, we we should change the name of it from Big Rock to Hatteras, the Hatters Village Open, because all the fish caught this year were
0: they all came literally the north. they were all from every fish. All the the best of my knowledge, all the big fish. Were caught off yeah. of Hatteras. Yeah, and then a lot of this is timing. Of course, we're the second week in June and fish migrate like ducks migrate. If you're a duck hunter, you know, ducks go from north to south and fish go from south to north. And uh, so a lot of it's timing and water temperature and where they're at up and down the stream to Gulf Stream. But uh, most of the fishing seem to be up north. We went up there on Monday and uh, headed that way again on Wednesday. Thursday we went a little bit east. And then uh, Friday went way. Way
1: east. <laughs> Way east. We went a. to the East Wall, which is the east side of the Gulf Stream. We had
0: lunch in Bermuda. Yes. Yeah, so it was all, literally we were closer to Bermuda than we were to Beaufort, I believe. Yeah, I was on Wi Fi, I'm pretty <laughs> sure, from the coast of Bermuda, a yacht club over in Bermuda. We had a long ride. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, it's a long day. We traveled four hours, four and a half hours. Yes. 90 miles. It was uh, a pretty boat ride, though. Trent. It was great. It was, you know, we had a great boat ride. Every day we had a great boat ride. If you haven't, by the way, talking about YouTube, uh, check out a recap video that we did. Our good friend, Mr. Joe Gilley, put together for us a kind of a recap of the video. to water, if you've never been offshore, uh, the water's awesome out there. It's clear. Uh, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It was, Monday was a little bit on the rough side. It wasn't too bad, but then the rest of the week, the water laid down, and it was calm and clear, and, and the water was nice, and we had a great boat ride. <laughs> it was good. <laughs> we caught some fish. We, had, we caught, what, three or four dolphin
1: all week, maybe? Yes, and the ladies' big rock was Sunday, and we uh, we released a nice white marlin, yeah. and that w- that was a m- white marlin at it in the tournament up north.
0: That might have won money. It was a, it was a nice sized white marlin. Uh, yeah. So, so I and mean, there was some, there was fish weighed. I mean, I think they weighed seven or eight fish all week. Blue marlin and uh, several fish released every day. We didn't have uh, deer in big rock. Our boat did not hook up. We actually had one. Was it Wednesday, it was two thirty. So the lines were in nine to three. Uh, during the week i think saturday was eight to two so lines are in nine to three we traveled three or four hours offshore had a slow day wednesday two i'm pretty sure my eyes were closing i was halfway asleep and uh doug up top uh noticed something in the spread and we had a huge huge uh blue marlin come right into the spread follow us for three or four minutes Shutting out the bait swimming. out. i never have seen anything I, I mean obviously we've seen blue marlin before but this Fish came right into the spread and followed, hung out with us for a while. Wasn't hungry or didn't like what we had to feed it, I guess, but uh, hung out for a while and kind of made on its way. But
1: yeah, that was, off, uh, that was off of Hatteras. We were off the north ledge coming back from Hatteras. We were about we pushed out, we were fishing like 800 feet this is where we were fishing. There was a huge weed line, so what we did was uh, we were there for probably four or five hours and weren't getting any bites, shagging grass. And I told yeah. the captain, I was like, look, let's let's go deep. And we went deep. We're in 4,000 feet of water with, what, 30 minutes left yeah, in a day. 30. And that's when she popped up on us.
0: And we fed her everything, and she would not bite. We um, tried hard. So, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, like I mentioned, it's a long uh, – people – I mean, it's, it's a lot of excitement. And it it's fun to fish and be a part of it. But it's, it is a long day uh, leaving the dock, leaving home at 3, 3.30 Leaving the dock four or four thirty, fishing all day, getting back at six or seven. Most nights that we got back, I tried to wait till the sun went down before I went to sleep. I was so tired. Uh, one night I tried to get Tom to come out; he wouldn't. He said he was, he was going to bed. Maybe his wife. I don't know if his wife would let him or not. But anyway, she he would have go. been happy to send me. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. So we get off the boat, take a shower, grab some supper, and you're in bed by you know eight nine o'clock. Get up the next morning and do it all over again. Uh, going back to the first day. We had boats all around us. Wednesday, we had a few boats. Thursday and Friday, there weren't so many boats, and we talked about it. You know, it's a big ocean. Everybody's going their own different directions. So Tom fishes more than I do. So we, we had this debate on the boat. If you were fishing, in your opinion, is it good? If you're, if you're fishing for a big fish like that, do you want boats around you? Do you want to be in the middle of 50 boats offshore, or do you want to have two boats, or do you want to have no boat? What's the ideal situation you think? Okay, everybody's got different opinions. My
1: opinion is this if you're fishing a tournament, now if you're if you've got some kind of technology that nobody has like that sonar right okay, or you're looking at satellite shots, which is what everybody's doing, okay we had two hundred, and how many boats did you say right now two seventy total two hundred and seventy boats out of those two hundred seventy boats let's just say a hundred and half of them right are very good captains right. Okay, and they got They've got satellite shots. they got Roth's reports. These are all – I mean, those are. they're using salinity, chlorophyll levels, you name it. This is high-tech right. stuff. They've got scientists that keep up with that, and they tell you where to fish. Well, guess what? Out of all those boats, I guarantee you 170 of those boats had the same information. Right. So as a captain, if you're looking at that and you go, okay, this is my first – when we leave out of the inlet at 4 o'clock in the morning – we're gonna go straight. We're gonna go straight to the Big Rock. That's coming straight out of the inlet. Or we can go. We can go north to Hatteras, which means you got to, to shoot the slot or go over the knuckle. Or you're gonna turn, make a hard right, and go to Swansboro hole South. Those are your three directions, three options you have. Well, if you looked at your salinity and all your and your ROPs reports and it said go to the Big Rock, but you've got 170 boats with you, and those 170 boats are all ten million dollar boats. And Michael Jordan's on one of them, and he decides his captain turns left, makes a hard left, and all the other boats go with him. If I'm the captain on that wheel, unless I've got really, really good intel, you're going follow it I'm following. I'm following <laughs> MJ. You know what I mean? I'm following 23, and, I, and I'm, I'm assuming MJ is gonna have a damn captain that knows what he's stuff. Yes, and I'm gonna stick, and I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna be right on his butt. But he's gonna be with an eye. i to be able to see him. Right. Okay, and I'm gonna know where he is. So here's why that's a, that's huge. One, they probably got that sonar. Yep. Okay, I guarantee a lot of those boats oh, have sure. it. All right, so that's yeah. one thing. They got the technology, they got the money to do it. So they're gonna have the best stuff. So you you use their technology to your advantage, and you fish that way. Now, here's what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't go right up beside them because it does. Um, I've got a lot of captains that have had 25, 30 years of experience winning tournaments, like up up north. Right. They always say this. They say when you have a bunch of boats over top, it drives the the marlin down, it's, and tuna as well. Um, he says, so my game plan would be find out where they are and run, do the outskirts. You know, don't go in the middle, but run around all right. of them. The, pack. the boat that won it last year, Pelagic Hunter, that's what he did. Fish that's, the how, that's he fished the outside, and that's how he caught that on that center console last year. That's how he got it. He won. I think he was first place
0: uh, in outboard division this year too. I think I was saw. he? Yeah, I saw okay.
1: that. But that's how he did it last year. Yeah. He, he 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 went to where the boats were at, and he circled them, and that was smart.
0: Yeah, and, and like I said, we debated back and forth. If you put yourself into fishes, you know, you're, you're in the fish. The fish, fish's shoes, fishes. what do you want to call it, fish's fins. Uh, you know, you're in the ocean, you look up and you see one boat. Okay, that looks, I'm going to go there and see what they got to eat for lunch. Or you see 50 boats, you're like, this is kind of, you know. So it forces them, like you said, forces them to the outside, you're on the outside, and you may have, it's, it's always a crap shoot either way, but we have our opinions differently about, uh, you know, who knows what the ideal situation is. But.
1: Now, I'm not a big hunter like you guys are, but what I always say is when you're a captain, you got to think of a strategy Right. So when you hunt, if your first area that you stop at, if it's not productive, do you pick
0: up and go to somewhere else, or do you just ride it out? I don't. Right. I don't know that. That's a question as, as yeah. a hunter. And usually, I mean, obviously, if you if you're in an area and you're in a big patch of woods and you don't see any deer, there's no deer there, or no. Let's say turkey hunt. You know, we just got done with turkey season. You're in the field, you gobble, you know, no turkeys come back. You don't. You don't hear a turkey. You don't see a turkey, you're going to go somewhere else. You're not going to sit there and wait because more than likely there's nothing close by, so you go somewhere else. That's the same
1: with offshore fishing for me, when you're especially when you're marlin fishing. Now, this is where a good captain earns his pay. He knows, okay, whatever direction I go, do I have a plan B? Right. Because if you go to the outer limits of somewhere and you've got dead water, everybody thinks the ocean is full of life. I've been doing this long enough, I will tell you. The ocean, and you've fished with me long enough. Yeah. You, you've seen it. The ocean's beautiful, but the ocean's a big desert. Yeah. It's a big desert. It's a big and area. Yes, and especially this time of year. Once you get into June out of Beaufort, from June until September, the water temps start jumping up, and it gets super warm, and hot water is bad for fish, okay? And that's why you don't see them. I mean – that's that's why you got to pick good water and that's where a captain earns his keep
0: and that goes back to talking about water temperature and you would never think two degrees makes a big difference but talk he, he was said, mentioned a while ago about research these guys there's all kinds of technology out there and uh things you can pay for and graphs and maps and every day these guys are checking this you know water temperature see where the water is where the water is moving rip currents play a big effect and if you're trolling how the rip current affects the baits and just the pilot is you don't just go out there and pick a spot and fish these guys these captains uh, and crews of these boats spend a lot of time researching the best spot to go. Yeah. He mentioned MJ while we're on MJ. Uh, he fished last year on Catch 23 and fished again this year. And uh, if anybody asked me one more time <laughs> if I saw Michael Jordan last week, I did not. I saw him on ESPN a lot growing up. He's an awesome basketball player. But it come times to uh, to Big Rock Week, we're focused on, uh, on our boat, finding our fish. I'm glad he was a part of it. He's an awesome dude brought up a lot of excitement to the wall I think they weighed a 25-pound mahi the first couple of days. But Michael Jordan did fish. He's got an awesome boat. It's an 80-something foot Viking, I think, catch 23. But he fished for the second time. So it was cool having Michael Jordan in town. Hope he comes back next year to join the fun. And one thing you mentioned while I go to, talking about going around the slot or the knuckles, for those of you who aren't familiar with eastern North Carolina, and the coast outside of Beaufort Moorhead. Explain the difference in what the slot and the knuckle are. If you don't okay, know
1: okay. if you got if you're looking at a map of of Beaufort Inlet, you, as soon as you come out of Beaufort Inlet, it's called Onslow Bay, and that's between that's between Beaufort Inlet and Cape Lookout, and that's where the lighthouse is. Everybody, anybody's ever traveled down there, you see Cape Lookout Lighthouse. That's Cape Lookout uh, National Seashore. Now, if you go from the lighthouse. Ten to twelve miles straight offshore, those are the shoals. Okay, those are lookout shoals. They are very very shallow. Like some areas, it's two to three feet. So if you were a ship, and there's a knuckle buoy, okay, that's what we call the knuckle, and there's a knuckle buoy at the end of the shoals. And that buoy, if you become, if you travel in between the buoy and the lighthouse, you, there's a good chance you're gonna get, you're gonna run aground, which is major. And that's where a lot of when you hear the uh, graveyard of the Atlantic. That's where that's a lot it. of this ship sank right there. So they put the they put that um, that buoy, the knuckle buoy, out there, and then they've got the lighthouse that kind of guides you. Now there's a slot. The slot is an it's a natural opening. It's not marked and it moves, and that's from sh- between Shark Island and Shark Island is right off of Cape Lookout. Okay, and it moves constantly, so you have to have no- local knowledge of where it's at and. I remember last year you were on a boat with me on my uh, I'm a real pirate. Remember it was water like water
0: got shallow. Yeah, it got
1: real shallow real quick <laughs> when we were in the waves, and my and my butt puckered a little bit because I worried we were gonna it we were hits. gonna hit bottom. But uh, that's what the slot is. Now when you shoot the slot, it can save you. That can save you thirty to forty five minutes. Yep. and that's a lot of diesel. That's a lot of time. Um, it just makes it better. But you better know where it's at if not you can find yourself in trouble um i'll throw something else in there trent when we were talking about fishing um we've had this debate before with other captains talking about how boats harmonics certain boats raise fish and yep. other boats don't yeah yep. i will say this the boat string line that we were on we had a vibration monday i don't know if you remember it, but yeah. i was talking about it, it was a trim and, yes and yeah. i was like man i said this vibra- vibration is not normal this yep. is not normal i told the captain i said look man I said, when we get back, we need to look at this. We didn't have anything come up to the boat other than that Monday either. Okay, nothing came up behind us. Usually when we run our spread, the spread that I run, usually we have fish come right up the back of the boat because it looks so good. But if it's a harmonic issue, something clanging, if you're a fish, you're not going to do that. So we came in Tuesday. um, Actually, we came in Monday. The captain he took my info about the vibration, he had a diver go down there Tuesday morning since we didn't that's why he didn't fish right. um and they checked it and they found that trim tab which keeps the boat where you can get keep the bow down and lets it ride better right. um that it, basically the bolt came out of the trim tab and you that's got a sixty thousand pound boat, and your weakest link is and so basically it was is bouncing off the back of the boat, right. and also the rudder uh rudder bearing bolt was loose. And the guy, the mechanic, looked at that and replaced it. So once he replaced it, that vibration was gone when we went out fishing Wednesday. I like to think that's the reason we brought that one big fish up was because the vibration wasn't there. And I'm not sure that would have happened.
0: Yeah, a lot of work goes into it. While he mentioned um, the boat string line, I do want to give a shout-out to uh, Mr. Darren for allowing us to be a part of his week. Uh, Tom was on the boat, Captain Mark farnsworth uh on the boat as well as mr ed for uh, helping out with the crew and giving us an awesome week of fishing it was kind of slow which i mean out of 270 boats how many boats you think uh released or weighed the fish less than half of course right yeah it was, it was way less than half yeah so less than um less than half of the 270 boats caught uh, release or a way to fish. So even though we had a slow week, it's not like we were the only boat that had a slow week. There was a lot of but a lot of very experienced older captains on uh, well-known boats that didn't catch a fish all week. One of the you were talking about this
1: earlier about the uh, how the the water has changed each year. Right. And it's constantly changing, just kind of like the weather patterns. One of the issues we had was all the mahi marlin eat tuna, and they eat mahi. People don't realize this. That's what they eat. The mahi we usually catch in three hundred to eight hundred feet of water. All the mahi being caught this year, they were being caught in a hundred feet of water. Right. The problem with that is the water's so warm. Yeah. Big blue marlin. If you're an eight hundred pound blue marlin, you're not going to be swimming in a hundred and twenty feet of water. Yes, that's the problem. <laughs> you need the big. Deeper the water, the bigger the fish. Right. That's how it always goes. I'm, and. That was part of the issue here, and that's why all the fish were up off of Hatteras because it was 4,000 to 10,000 right. feet of water, and the mahi raw being caught in at 100 foot, 150 feet
0: out of the inlet. Yeah, and talking about the the big big boys eating the dolphin, you know, if you find a weed line, if you're offshore, and I know some of you probably have offshore fished and are probably experts a lot more than myself and Tom, too, maybe. You know, some of you may not have had the opportunity to go offshore, so you're out there, you know, you find a weed line, a lot of dolphin uh, mahi are feeding off of that weed line and then your big boys or big girls feed off of the dolphin. So if you find a weed line usually work that weed line see a couple of small dolphin that's a good sign. Hopefully there's a marlin somewhere close by that's trying to feed on them. So that's kind of part of the game plan offshore.
1: On that same note sometimes you you go offshore and we I think you've been with me Trent when we've done this we're, we're getting dolphin like crazy off of weed lines. It's yeah. hot and we're like loading up the box yeah. and then all of a sudden it's like the lights were turned off, and there's like nothing. It right. doesn't man, you can even see them underneath the patches, and they're not coming off those patches yeah. almost always. That means there's a predator, either a big shark or most likely a blue marlin, a big one. Yeah, and they're scared, and he just they just saw their little brother get eaten by. So they hang tight. <laughs> yes, they hang tight, and they're not they're not worried about biting your stuff, yeah.
0: and that's usually what happens. Speaking of predators, I will say this week we saw uh, a huge hammerhead shark. Uh, heading out one day, we also saw whales. We were so far on Friday, we were heading that's when we were going across the Gulf Stream. Saw a couple of whales out there swimming around, which is pretty cool. I think that was around Bermuda, I believe. Yeah, that was on the east side of Bermuda. <laughs> we stopped for lunch and uh, Bermuda and played golf and then got back on the boat. And uh, so yeah, you know, we talked about it. If, if you're you want to go offshore fishing and you want to have a fun, exciting, fun, you know, fun packed day. Try to catch some dolphin. Go off for a half a day trip, a all day trip. You know, go after your mahi, and and you can have fun and catch thirty, forty, fifty fish. Have a ball. If you want to catch a marlin, don't look forward to a fun, exciting day. It's, uh, it's a so it's a long day. I mean, you're going after that big fish. You catch a big fish, great, big paycheck, great. But uh, you know, especially the week of Big Rock, you know, you may be sitting on a boat four days straight and and not see a fish. Uh, or not catch a fish, and, and it makes for a long day. Beautiful, beautiful water. Great guys on the boat to uh, fellowship with, but after four days, you're tired of seeing them. <laughs> a bunch of dudes sitting. Hundred percent, hundred percent. A bunch of dudes sitting around telling the same stories, I mean, and everybody's grumpy. Everybody's, made, day. everybody's grumpy. And they want to talk to each other, and they just want to eat and drink and keep to herself. A lot of food and drinks on board. So yeah. Uh, so anything else you want to add about Big Rock before we move on from? This past week that no, I missed It was a good time. Hopefully next year's better for us. Yeah, I think you know what we were. This was kind of like a practice uh, practice run for us. We're really focusing now on the sixty fourth annual Big Rock tournament. I feel like that's our year. <laughs> that's right. I heard something last year. It takes the average person maybe boat let's say person fifteen years to fish a tournament to weigh a fish, uh-huh. and then twenty years to win. Think about it. Think about how hard that is.
1: And you, you yeah. got to remember something. These people, these guys that are fishing. They're, they're good at what they do. That's these right. captains, I mean, we've got down in Beaufort. We've got world-class captains. We've got the bill collector. We've got sensation. We've got due south. We've got, I mean, you name it. There's like seven or eight, the Pelagic. you got seven or eight, the Rican. you got seven or eight boats that are world. You put them in Costa Rica. You put them in Dominican. You put them, any of these good fisheries where there's fish, Constantly, you know always around, oh my God, these guys would eat it up, yep. it, literally they'd eat it up. they're here, and some of these guys didn't weigh fish yep. they didn't see a fish this year. that ought to tell you something it's just tough, it is a tough it's tough to catch a blue marlin, so if you ever get out there and you get on one of these boats and you hook up a one, you know we had one uh the week before we took some clients out on uh, on the boat string line, and we hooked up i'm I'm telling you all day long it was a seven eight hundred pound blue marlin, and we had her hooked up for three probably 30 minutes the guy wanted to get it was the first time he never fished before and i told these guys and they I said when, he, when she jumped and she turned i said she's the biggest fish i've ever seen and i told them everybody on that boat they never seen one before i said you realize that's the biggest fish i've ever seen on a boat a yes i said so big. you just saw something that's special yeah
0: was, yeah like i said you're trying to catch that one fish if you catch it it's uh, a memory you won't ever forget but if you don't catch it, it could be a couple of long days of fishing. But that's part of fishing. That's why it's called fishing and not catching <laughs> all you guys that hunt. That's why it's called hunting and not killing. So that's part of the sport. Talking about big rock, the next tournament I know that I'm fishing in, Alpha of uh, North Carolina, is uh, the Ducks Unlimited, their annual Band of Billfish tournament, which is towards the end of July. And we're actually going to be on due south for that particular tournament with Mr. Mark Chambers. But between now and then, I know, Tom, you're heading up to Maryland, Ocean City, the next couple of days and fishing up there in Ocean City. So what do you have planned the next few weeks in Ocean City?
1: Yes, sir. I'm, gonna be, uh, I'm running a boat called All In. It's a. Uh, it's an old Jersey Devil. It's one of the original charter boats up there in Ocean City. She, she's won tournaments. One of my buddies that's running a buddy's boat, it's a 62 Viking. He used to be a captain. That's how he learned how to fish years ago on that. Um, his name's Captain Chad Meeks. Anybody, anybody from up north knows who he is. He's a really, really good captain. So I'm going to be doing that. The yellowfin tuna, the big eye tuna, they're all, they basically move from uh, the Outer Banks north. And right. right now, the bite in Ocean City is really, really good. Um, there's gonna be the Huck Big Game Classic coming up at the end of the month. So I'm gonna be doing that. Then you got, I think at the end of July and August, you've got the White Marlin Open, the Mid-Atlantic, and then for all you ladies out there, there's also uh, Poor Girls, which is like the ladies' big rock, but it's bigger than the ladies' big rock. It's the biggest, I think it's the biggest female tournament in the world. It's huge. I think it's a million dollars on the line for that. It's big. Wow. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to be doing that. I'll probably be back in September, hopefully with some... Hopefully with some cash in my pockets.
0: We'll do another podcast then to talk about some more stories from up in Ocean City. I'm actually going to head up there if all goes well a couple of times. And if you're listening to us from anywhere up and down the East Coast and you're around Ocean City, look these guys up. And uh, I'm sure they'd love to take you out on a fishing trip while you're in the Maryland area. A lot of these boats, I'd say that fish Big Rock, you know, these boats, they don't stay in, in Beaufort or Moorhead. These guys travel from Martha's Vineyard down to Big Rock. Up to white marlin, down to Costa Rica, Bahamas. These big boats travel and uh, fish all up and down the east coast of the Caribbean. That's uh, mine and Tom's dream. We talked about it. I'm pretty sure seven or eight, nine hours plus this past week. (laughs) We're going to the Abacos. That's our goal in life. We're gonna. It may be forty or fifty years from now. Sugarcane farm. We're going to do yeah. a sugarcane farm, bring, Dad, bring back natural sugar. Dad, cane. if you're listening, uh, we've got a great farm. We found some farmland. We're going to buy some farmland, have a wedding venue. We'll call it the farm at uh, Abaco's. And uh, we'll have weddings and we're going to have a boat and do offshore fishing. But no, if you've never been, I, I, I was lucky enough to go once several years ago down to the Abaco's fishing. And it's amazing. The water's beautiful, beautiful islands. And that's and, uh, a lot of fun. I know Tom spent some time down there fishing and he's ready to go back and stay i think that's, that's why the, it's ready to that's the stay. game plan that's the game plan yeah but yeah that's uh kind of wraps up a big rock uh recap and uh, anything else you want to add about any of your other stories fishing over the years or uh, no i just I'll, I'll leave you with this my wife said i had one haul pass and that's if i can find a mermaid so we didn't find it we looked for a mermaid hard all week last week we couldn't find Tom a mermaid uh, we found some close at tap, taps and tackle. <laughs> that's right. So they were. Yeah, the went on. We yeah, that's not
1: good when you're when you're drinking with with your wife and Trent, and then you, and then your college <laughs> daughter walks up. That's never a good. That's never a good way to start the Friday night or Saturday night yeah. off.
0: Your daughter's name Grace. Grace. Grace kept everybody in line <laughs> at taps and. Tackle. I will say we had taps and tackle is a new place. Uh, Jacks, of course, is a go to downtown or on the waterfront at Moorhead. And they were lined up. Uh, great crowd over at Jacks Taps and Tackle was an awesome spot. They were packed, and we were able to go right across the road to the weigh station, see the fish be weighed in, uh, the big boy on Friday night, and that uh, was a pretty cool spot. Long week, Big Rock. That's kind of, a in a nutshell, in a 30-minute summary describing a whole week of fishing. That's a lot of fun. A lot of people follow. I, I, since I've been home this week, a lot of people uh, that don't know what a fish is or never had been fishing follow Big Rock. It's a lot of excitement for the area, Moorhead, all the hotels, Airbnbs, uh, a lot of money comes into the area, and Big Rock's always a big time every year. If you want to fish that DU tournament, uh, Band of Bill Fish, look it up online, and you can still register your boat and fish that. Yeah, that's all we've got, I think, for today. Thank you, uh, Tom, for joining us. Thank you. I appreciate it. We've got some uh, some other stuff planned coming up in the very near future, so stay tuned, some more episodes, talking more about other kinds of fishing, bass fishing, inshore fishing with uh, Mr. Lee Gay coming up here soon, Mr. Patrick from Camado Joe. Going to be joining us, talking about grilling and uh, lots of other fun stuff planned in the near future. As always, thanks to Mr. Joel Gilley from Joel Gilly Productions on helping us out with all our editing. Don't forget, check us out on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, Google, anywhere else that's got podcasts. Check it out. Subscribe. YouTube, taking it outside. Thank y'all, as always, for listening in. We are excited to have you come join us anytime. Make sure you visit Spring Hill Outfitters in eastern North Carolina right on interstate 95 at exit 101 just off the frontage road and uh, until next time y'all be safe and don't forget to take it outside